for a long time, um, th- there was this uh, underbelly in the college basketball world where you had shoe companies and schools and kids and middlemen and all these things working well together. And then the Justice Department decided they wanted to go after some people. Um, and one of those guys that got caught up in this is a guy named Merle Code who joins us now. And you can watch the show on Zone TV, Twitter, Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitch. Twitch, please. And Merle is right there. Merle, what's up? How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing well, man. Uh, on the front end, appreciate the time, bro. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on, obviously, and and uh, some uneasy times ahead. But uh, we we appreciate you taking the time for us to to tell your story. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you for having me. Yep, Merle's got a new book. You need to look it up right now. Go ahead and order it. Black Market: An Insider's Journey into the High Stakes World of College Basketball. Uh, Slay sent us a copy. Um, uh, Don and I a copy and. Uh, Phenomenal. Can't wait to get through it, Merle. Um, and again, appreciate you uh, taking the time to hop on. So you are headed. To, let, let's start with this. You are headed for those that don't know. You're headed to federal prison. When? Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. And you going to prison for what now is um, NIL deals. Allow. What's now allowed? Yeah. <laughs> the part about this, man, is that I get charged with a federal crime. There's been no federal legislation to change anything, but now what exact what we did or what I was charged to charge with is now allowed. It's mm-hmm. it's the craziest thing ever, man. So Merle, I pulled up justice.gov's story about about you getting convicted, and and the wording here is is unbelievable to me. Um, U.S. Attorney's Office announces conviction of Christian Dawkins and Merle Code for bribing NCAA Division One men's college basketball coaches. Let me start there. The coaches were coming to you because they wanted your help to provide players to them. How can you defraud someone where you're giving them services that they have requested? That's that was the that's the juxtaposition that we find ourselves in, right? That's it's not possible. It's not logical. But when you find yourself in the courtroom and then you say, "Wait a minute, this isn't a fair fight," because those same requests that were made via text message or via wiretap phone call were suppressed. The jury never heard. Mm-hmm. And so when the judge says, hey, man, you're not going to talk about poor black kids in our courtroom and you suppress all the evidence that's beneficial to me. Um, yeah, you can convict me of anything if I don't get to tell my side of the story. And then not only that, guys, they prohibited us from calling the very people who asked to the stand. So we couldn't call the coaches or the athletic directors to the stand who were asking for the help. They called the compliance people. That we've never met, never had any interaction with. And we got convicted by compliance people. Well, the compli- compliance people are the ones that know the least about exactly. what's going on on purpose, exactly. right? Exactly. And then you 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 got that you got that Merle. Now what I what I need to know is unbelievable. with without these people being able to be called and a wiretap that was out there placed on them by the government, <laughs> they still get to say after and we'll take Will Wade for instance at LSU, <laughs> strong, on the world, strong ass, strong offer. ass offer. Yeah. Like and it, I mean, it can't get no more blatant than this. But he's wow. from right here in Nashville, Tennessee, and this man told the NCAA and everybody else that's listening, "Hey man, I'm not taking a suspension. I'm not taking a leave of absence. I'm not taking no pay. I'm not stepping down, and I'll be here tomorrow. Take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and that's okay." 
well, it's okay because he doesn't look like me. Mm-hmm. And it's okay because he has the power of the university behind him. Yeah. And he's got uh, uh, he's making three or four, five million dollars a year, so he can afford to pay these lawyers. Yeah. I don't make that kind of money. Right. I don't have the power of a university behind me. Hell, I didn't even have the power of the company that asked me to do this shit behind me. Stuff. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> We've had a run of uh, profanity on our show lately. Yeah, we got to dump that. It's all good. Uh, so, hey, so well, yeah, when you when you get into the economics of it and who can afford to do what and who's got uh, some some high profile people behind them, you really get to the to to what this really is, man. And this was their attempt to to protect those white head coaches and then throw these black assistant coaches and those guys of us who were doing our jobs to the wolves and, and convict us and, and criminalize what they can't control. And that's what I was going to say. You got guys like Chuck Person, yeah. Tony Bland, all yeah. of you guys taking the raps for it. But then you got Sean Miller at the, at the podium and they asked him and he had like, all of a sudden he went deaf and yeah. he, and he well, could no, no longer actually, hear. They actually said, he and Will said they didn't know Christian. And then that's if you watch the scene, <laughs> they play the phone calls. That's amazing, man. Yeah, you don't know the guys you're talking to on the phone on these FBI wiretaps, huh? It's like Sammy Sosa. Just that comfortable. <laughs> you're just talking to people. Well, then, so Merle, and then you see, like, Bill Self gets a lifetime contract at Kansas, and, and you're headed to prison. Yeah, that's how it works, man. Um, the way that this game works is white coaches get, get protection, and, and black guys get to go to jail. Okay, so let me ask you this. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. Let me ask you this. So let's get to the essence of this. I, I know where I, I stand on AAU. I played it. Amateur Athletic Union is what you I was a it. part of. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I was in it. You yeah. know, and I remember um, Coach Fitzgerald being involved, a local legend here. And we had a really good team at the time. We were undiscovered at the time. You know, we down here in the South and outside of Memphis. A lot of people didn't know we existed. So <laughs> we right here. We going to Kroger. We doing fish fries. We doing car washes. We doing all this all the way leading up to where we got to still go practice. This is the summer now. Spring going into the summer. We still got to do all this just to get enough to get ready to try to go to Las Vegas big-time tournament. At that time, it was sponsored by Adidas. Mind you, we got the number one high school player in football on our team, um, top 15 in basketball. We got Trent Housel, who a lot of people know, Marcus Mabin, who a lot of people know. Like, Marks for guys. Yeah, yeah, we got some guys on our team. These guys went on to have really good careers, yep. you know, and I was on the younger team. But we out there doing this knowing that we can call on a person and say, hey, man, is it any way possible that you could give us uh, an extra – Three or four thousand dollars, and that right there was a stretch. So you telling me the amateurs in college, mm-hmm. after going out there where your coaches paid six to seven million dollars, you play in the game, you charter the flight, you get you get everything catered. Then when soon as you step away from the campus and go back to your dorm, we trying to figure out, hey man, you got ten dollars, you got five dollars, hey man, we'll, we gotta go get something to eat. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. amateur too. Ron, you, you said it, man. What you what you experienced at the at the AU level, where you got to wash cars and sell hot dog plates and donuts. Right. And girls, uh, that's amateur sports, right? To afford to, to to afford your uniforms and bus trips and plane trips, that's amateur sports. Amateur sports is not when you have five hundred and fifty million dollars of dead coaching money when guys who've been fired are getting paid those salaries. It's not amateur sports when you when you can allow DraftKings and all these betting and gambling sites because you have licensing and marketing deals. Your coaches are making five to ten million dollars a year. You got two hundred million dollars in campus and facility upgrades. You know that's not amateur sports. Mm-hmm. So until the government comes in, you know, and, and legislatively says, "Listen, y'all got to stop this. Stop it." Yeah. Because it's, it's indentured servitude, 
and it's the only business entity that exists like that in the entire country in in a so-called capitalist society. So Merle Code joins us. He's got a book, Black Market, an insider's journey into the high-stakes world of college basketball. You need to pick that up. So explain, Merle, if you can, like how did this all work? So you worked for shoe companies. You developed relationships with Mm -hmm. players. The coaches know this, so they come to you trying to get you to steer players toward them? Yes. So, so here's here's how it works, man. And you're 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 hitting it on the head. Okay. A, li- a little more detail, and, and I'll provide a little more color to it. Yeah, yeah. So, the rules and regulations as they as they existed at the time, there was limited interaction periods between coaches, coaching staffs, and and pers- prospects. Yes. They can only they can only contact them during certain periods via phone or FaceTime or certain times of the year where they could visit. Well, because I don't operate in that same window, I can call a kid every day of the week. I can text him, you know, every day of the week. I can go see him. I can send him product. I can do all kinds of stuff from a shoe perspective because that's my job. My job is to acquire the best talent and the best assets um, for the company. That's my job. And so what happens is because you have three, four, five years sometimes with some of these young men and their families, you become an influential component of their decision-making process because they know you, they trust you, you've been around, you know the highs and lows, you know when mom and dad were on the verge of splitting up. Mm-hmm. Like you know all of those things because you've been an integral part of that family you know, dynamic. And so the coaches don't have that same kind of relationship with the kid and his family, so they wanna to get to somebody who does. Mm-hmm. And because there's a $200 million relationship between the company that you work for and their university, they're going to ask for that assistance. And so doing my job, I'm supposed to provide that assistance. That's the job. And so, yes, it's a bit ridiculous to then turn around and say, well, from the government perspective, yeah, but all y'all was supposed to do was give them T-shirts and tennis shoes. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, 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 don't, that don't sound right. This, this, <laughs> this blows my mind it's that you're, you're in this position, especially as Slay said earlier, that – NIL has has made all of this legal. So like the 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 thought should be right like that your senate should be overturned. Mm-hmm. You would think, but again, when you when when you go through a court system where you know, where white judges make decisions and their friends are the ones who are in the appellate courts, that's not going to happen. Now let me ask you this, Merrill. You also were painted as um <laughs> what what time did they come to your door and knock on your door? Oh, it was six six fifteen, six thirty ish in the morning, and, something like that. And how did they approach your door? They were banging on their door, but they surrounded my house. It was fifteen to seventeen of them with their guns and bulletproof vests, and uh, cars lined up down my street uh, with the lights flashing. I mean, they were full full tactical gear. Now, l- let full me full tactical gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for now, for uh, a, a college basketball conduit. Yeah. Now I need to know. Also, tell me this quickly, Merle. How many laws did you break? None. Zero laws broken. None. I mean, like uh, <laughs> the thing about it is, and, and Merle, we're we're friends with Dan Wetzel. We have mm-hmm. Wetzel on all the time. We love that guy. Yeah, he, he's guy. awesome. And I know Great that you guy. did his podcast with Pat Forty, and, and it was really interesting. Um, and he he told us that he was in your courtroom every day. And what? And there are several things that that blow me away about this whole thing. But if 
if I want to find out what really happened, and all of this was framed, you know, that they were going after these coaches and all this stuff, I would want all of the testimony that mm-hmm. I could get. I would want all of the wiretaps that I could get. I would want to read all of the text messages that I could read, and none of that was allowed. No. What happened, and here's what I honestly think happened, guys. I think they thought they were doing the schools a service. Mm. Um, and then when they started digging into it, finding out the schools were actually complicit, it was like, uh-oh, we can't allow this into the courtroom because we're going to be the ones to bring these schools all kinds of issues. It was the, There was an interesting moment in the courtroom where I believe it was either my father or Steve Haney, one of our attorneys. As I told you guys earlier, they wouldn't allow us to call the coaching staffs um, or athletic directors to the stand. So they brought in the, the, the compliance folks. So the compliance mm. guy, I believe, from Louisville was on the stand. And one of the one of the one of our lawyers said, So tell us when you called the government to tell tell the government that you've been defrauded. Objection <laughs> from every lawyer on the government side. <laughs> wow. And the, judge, and the judge quickly sustained the objection. Wow. And it's because that's not what happened. Louisville never called the government. Kansas never called the government. Miami never called the government. And NC State never called the government. The government manufactured this case, called those schools and said, hey, you've been defrauded. And the president, board of trustees, and all these folks who have zero clue or concept of how recruiting actually happens, all they care about is bottom line, are we winning? And are we generating revenue? So, okay, we've been defrauded. What are they going to say? No, we're part of the crime, too. That's not going to happen. So they nail us to the wall for helping the same folks that asked for it. Now, uh, so you're convicted of fraud, conspiracy, and bribery uh, of people that wanted your services. Again, I go back to that. Like, uh, Yeah. Yes. What percentage of back in the day when all this was going on, what percentage of, of like the, the, I don't know, top 50 college basketball programs were cheating? All of them. Hello. Listen, man, when I say Hello. cheating, all of them. And, and I, different and I levels of it, right? Different levels of cheating, yeah. yeah. That, was my, that, was, that was my point. My point is, no, no, not every school is going to give a kid a bag of cash. No. Mm-hmm. But they may find mom a job that she doesn't have to, that she doesn't have to report to. They may find the kid, uh, and the, the kid and his family a home that they don't have to pay the mortgage on. So there's going to be varying levels of breaking rules, but right. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, Merle, nowadays, obviously, uh, with NIL, I, just what is your thought on the the evolution and how that has now come to play? And, and with with what you're now going through and all of that, what is your thought on NIL? Well, like I said earlier, you know, there's been no federal legislation passed to allow NIL. But I was convicted of a federal crime for the same things that now NIL allows their families to, 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 to operate on. First and foremost. Secondly, NIL is still uh, indentured servitude. I still have to ask you, can I use my name? Can I use my image? And can I use my likeness to profit? I have to ask. Um, So I think it's a Band-Aid on the bullet Mm wound. And I think that until there is governmental oversight that forces these multi-million dollar relationships and and profit centers, because that's what they are, to, to come up with some algorithm or formula for some equitable share of their annual earnings to each of those kids that they have on scholarship, then it won't be fair. Mm-hmm. 
Merle, Merle Cove with a new book, uh, Black Market, an insider's journey into high-stakes world of college basketball. He heads to federal prison tomorrow, but today he's on with us. And I, I, want, I wanted to say, like, so we saw that. We saw the picture being painted of you. Merle, you come from a two-parent home. Father was sure. a judge or a lawyer? Both. <laughs> Both. And you've never been in trouble? No. Went to D1, played at Clemson, played under – Oh, yeah. we got to get into this a little bit if we get time. Uh, you played for Rick Barnes. Um, <laughs> for, for, three, for three years. Yeah, first Cliff years. Ellis, right? Yeah. Don, Don is a Auburn I'm an grad. Girl, yeah, so, so. Yeah. 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 Cliff likes to sing country music. <laughs> yeah. So you got that. Like, And then you went on, played pro. Mm-hmm. What was your transition like? What do you think it's like now compared to what we see from these kids that – especially black kids coming up in this market and now you being used up. And a lot of times, like I was fortunate enough to be able to go back university of Tennessee. And I know a lot more in my, in my situation, we're able to go back to Tennessee, have something in place where you can go back, finish your education and get that. But a lot of them aren't. And a lot of them are not even pushed towards that. And a lot of them that are, when they go to these schools, they go to, and let's just throw it out there under under underwater basket weaving. Like you, if you you know you know you walk right. away from your school if you leave with four years played, you still may have forty five hours to graduate. Yeah, because you own electives. Because truthfully, all they care about running, you know this man. They care about keeping you eligible, so you can That's put right. that ball in the basket, or you can run that ball across the goal line. Right. That's what they care. About. Right. So, so your, your your future and your your options for your future aren't really at at, at the center of thought process for them. Right. They need to win games to keep their job, get their new contract. Mm-hmm. And you're the you're the vehicle by which they do those things. I was fortunate. I come from a two-parent home where education was stressed. Mm-hmm. So I went to school and got a marketing degree. Well, like you said, man, most of the guys that were athletes when I was in school, their major was parks, recreation, and tourism management. Yeah. And if you look at most athletes in some of these schools, it's general studies. It's coaching education. Mm-hmm. It's all these garbage majors to keep them eligible. But we don't talk about that. And we don't talk about it because they don't want to admit or acknowledge the fact that, that the school's pre- prerequisites are 3.5 and 1,200 on the SAT. Well, if you can run that football or dunk a basketball, if you got a 2.0 and a 701, you can get in. Yeah. And so they're, 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 they're mentally and physically and educationally handicapping these kids when they get there. And so my transition was a little easier than most. Um, that's not the case for all of these kids. And right. so that's why there should be some, and, and again, the percentages of, of being a pro are slim. Mm-hmm. So if they don't have a chance to capitalize on their abilities at the college level. There won't be another opportunity to do so. You were able to see the guy, the likes of some of the players you were involved with when you were high, high stakes in these companies, Adidas, Nike, you, you talked about in the book, Anthony Davis, Zion, um, in my class, Carmelo, LeBron, you talked about all those guys signing Chris Bosch, D Wade. Like you, you, you seen the, one of the most interesting stories that I saw in there was, uh, Pat Beverly and his story. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, mm-hmm. that was pretty, that was, that was pretty cool to see. And I let people, you know, tap into the book and get that, that part of it. But what about the ones that don't? That, that's yeah, that's the thing. Well, see again, man. You you talk about um, the kids that don't, and there's more of those kids that don't than do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if we don't if we don't have a system that really tries to educate them on how this business actually works, and not let the you know, and I, I've been called everything from uh, the boogeyman to yeah. <laughs> to uh, 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 an undesirable to corrupt. I've been called all kinds of stuff. 
I don't care what you call me. I know what I did to help these young men through through their processes. I didn't make any money doing that. I made my salary, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I'm I'm not going to apologize for helping these young men through through you know a parent losing a job. Like man, I paid for kids X-rays because their parents didn't have insurance. I'm not going to apologize for that. Right? Yeah. Was was I breaking rules? Sure, I was. I don't care. Did I help a family pay their mortgage? I sure did. Did I help mom go to the doctor for a kid? That could, yeah, I sure did. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I expected something in return. It was the right thing to do. And I had the means to be able to help. Merlin. And if we don't live in a society that, 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 that you know, will continue to, continue to do that, man, in a humanistic perspective, then we, we really lost as a people, man. Merle, thank you for sharing your story, man. Um, uh, prayers out for you, bro. And, uh, thank you. and, uh, thank you. certainly invite people to get the book and, 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 and read some of these stories and, and how, how, we're getting questions. How, how long are you in and where are you headed? So I don't know how long I'm going to be in. I, I got sentenced to nine months, um, um, for, for the, the various convictions, mm-hmm. two for, for Frauding those universities, which is a joke, and then one for bribing coaches, which is another joke. Bribing coaches. Um, but I'll be um, supposed to be in Edgefield, South Carolina, um, and that's where I'll be uh, serving whatever time I have. Well, um, I mean, if you feel if you feel the need to provide provide a little update, we'd love to check in with you uh, yeah, as man. you're doing your time. And when man. you and, come home, and, man, you got a platform. If I got one, you yeah, better believe it for sure. We getting this part two in there, brother. Yeah, we got I we like got to it. hear more. And you going on the boom boom yeah, yeah. boom? Oh no, it's, listen, man. There's so many stories that that we have not told. Yeah, so there's certainly more to come, man. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, Merle, we appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it, brother. There he is, Merle Code. Uh, Black Market, an insider's journey into the high-stakes world of college basketball.